Hi everyone, it is Pastor Peter here. Thank you so much for joining us for this virtual online Bible study. Uh, you may have just seen this pop up and been a little surprised, uh, maybe even wondering why I didn't tell you. Well, this is our first time trying it like this, a, a live uh, YouTube, Facebook Bible study. So I uh, didn't want the word to get out too much in case it didn't work. So this is both lesson number one, but also a test to make sure that it's working. Um, I do want this to be as interactive as possible, so um, if you're watching here today, be sure to uh, leave a comment down below and uh, be sure to, to subscribe if you're watching on YouTube, Twitch, or, or to like our page if you're there on, on Facebook too. Uh, that way you'll continue to see these studies and, and our other videos as well uh, in the future. So I just wanted to be sure that you, uh, you subscribed and, and liked. And again, leave a comment if you have any questions. I'll be answering those in the chat today. So I will be keeping track of, of all of your comments and questions and, and trying to answer them as, as best as I can. So uh, don't, don't hesitate to, to drop anything in there. Even if you just wanna say hi, um, please, uh, please do that. Just let, let us know who's, who's with us today. Uh, today we are starting a new study. We're taking a look at the book of Acts. And uh, this is week one. I'm really excited to do this. I, I don't think I've ever taught through the book of Acts. I know I've taught passages before, Pentecost, some of the highlights, but it's my first kind, time kind of teaching it through from beginning to end. And uh, I'm really excited to do that. I just finished teaching with a group here at our church, uh, Living Christ in Arlington Heights, and we had a, a wonderful study. And so I'm, I'm glad to be sharing that with you all today as well. So again, thank you for being here, but let's just jump in. Uh, I don't know what you know about the book of Acts. Um, if you've read it through before, maybe even a number of times, if there's any stories that come to mind to you. Um, but here's a question I'd like to start with. If, if you were to tell the story of your church, uh, whether it's uh, the church you're at with me or, or whatever congregation it is, or if you were to think of the church that you've spent the most time at, uh, how would you tell the story of that church? I was thinking about that this week of, of my time at, at this church. And, uh, you know, I, I might start the story with when I got here, which was long after it was first started. But, um, but that's because that's an important part of the story, at least to me. Um, but other people might tell the story of this church differently. Uh, there are some people at this particular church who have been here from the very beginning. I think that's pretty special. And, and so they might talk an awful lot of, about the, the, the genesis of, of this church. Uh, there are other people here who have been here less time than me, uh, some who have just been with us about a year. And so their telling of the story might be different too. I bring that up because uh, the book of Acts, in, in some ways, is the story of, of the first church, the church as it existed soon after the resurrection of Jesus. And, and Luke is telling us that story about those men and women, those faithful believers. It's story of, of their history. But you know, uh, Luke also wanted this to be more than just a, a textbook history of, of the early church. And if, if that were the case, uh, then he wouldn't have left out such, uh, such important details, right? If it was Luke's goal to just tell you like a moment by moment history of, of the early church, if that was his purpose, then, then he would have told us about the, the beginnings of the church in Rome. Of course, the, the church in Rome will play a huge part in, in the broader church, but Luke doesn't tell us how that started. Uh, Luke doesn't tell us the beginnings of the, the church in the city called Antioch. We know Antioch was an important place. It was the, the missionary hub uh, for, for the Apostle Paul and, and his travelings with Barnabas, but we don't know how that church started. 
So we know that, that while he is telling a history of the early church, that there's a, there's a greater purpose behind it. It isn't just a moment-by-moment textbook history. There's, there's another point in, in Luke telling us this story. And that's because uh, it, is, it is Luke's, I think, agenda to remind us that Jesus is still working. You know, uh, the, the historical title of the book of Acts is The Acts of the Apostles. But that's actually not an accurate title. The point of Luke's story is not to tell us of the acts or the important deeds of, of the first apostles. Luke's purpose is, is to describe what Jesus is doing. Right? So, so a better title would be the acts of Jesus. If we want to expand on if we want to give it a, a little bigger, more uh, descriptive title, we might say the acts of Jesus working by his Holy Spirit through the lives of his people. See, the focus and the main character is there are other characters who, who come in within the story, right? In the first 10 chapters, Peter, the apostle Peter, plays a big part, but then suddenly he just disappears. And, 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 and some of you might know that the, the book of Acts tells the story of Paul, another apostle, but he doesn't come until well into the, the book. And so the focus is never meant to be on particular people or leaders in the church to tell of their heroic deeds and how much they've accomplished. No, no the purpose is to tell of Jesus, of what he's done. And the focus has always been to be on him. And as we'll see, Luke is trying to teach us that Jesus is still working. He's working there in the earliest church, but he's also working today. He hasn't stopped. Uh, so if, if we wanted to, to summarize the entire book then, we, we might say that uh, the, the summary is that Jesus is still working. Again, if we wanted to expand that Jesus is still working by his Holy Spirit through his people. And we're going to watch that happen uh, throughout as, as we read through it in the next few weeks. Uh, the author of the book, you might know, is a man named Luke. Um, uh, Luke was, was the one who wrote this book. Um, Luke was a companion of Paul. We know that because sometimes within the book of Acts, he says we when referring to Paul. So we went here, we went there, we did this. So we know that, that Luke had a firsthand account of, of many of the things that he, he wrote about. Not all of it. Uh, but many of it. Uh, Luke is mentioned at other points in the Bible too. There are are certain passages that mention him. Uh, He's mentioned in the book of Philemon and in 2 Timothy. Uh, Also in Colossians chapter 4 verse 14 where where Luke is called a physician or a doctor. So if you know anything about Luke, you might know that he was a doctor. I think when when we hear that though, we we need to see something a little different. Uh, the, The word used for doctor in Colossians, we might think of it more in our world today as a pharmacist. You know, someone who prescribes something to you, if you have a stomach ache or a headache, they might whip up some concoction to give to you, right? And, and that's probably what Luke would have done. Um, that, that's how, that's how he, uh, he lived out that medical calling of his, almost like a, a, a pharmacist. Um, so that, that's Luke. And we know from the opening words that Luke is writing to someone. There's a recipient of this book, and that is a uh, a man named Theophilus. It's interesting that the, the name Theophilus literally means God lover or lover of God. And so we don't know who Theophilus was, and there's kind of two thoughts on this. Uh, on the one hand, some people think that Theophilus stands for all of God's people. It's a way that Luke refers to the church, the family, right? Because aren't we all lovers of, of God? And so this, there wasn't actually a, a real historical person named Theophilus, but, but Luke was writing a book that he hoped would be read by, by all believers, by all lovers of God. 
Uh, on the other hand, and I, I think this is where I fall too, is, is that there actually was a person named Theophilus. And, and we know that there was a name that was used in Luke's day. Um, but there was a, a person named Theophilus, probably a person with some money, of some wealth, of some significance, because those are the people who could afford to have a book like this commissioned. And, and Luke is writing to him, but with the, the hope and the purpose that uh, Theophilus would, would share this that he would be kind of the publisher who would be able to produce copy after copy because we know that happened too. People would write books for, for famous people and then those books by those famous, rich, wealthy, influential people would be shared and, and the message would go out. We, we, we can be pretty certain that Luke never wanted Theophilus to be the only one who read this book, right? He, he wanted us to read it like we are today. And so I, I think his purpose was fulfilled. Well, we also hear in the first verse of, of Acts that uh, this is a, a part two of a two-part volume. Uh, see, Luke also wrote the Gospel of Luke. And Luke and Acts were always meant to go together. Again, it was supposed to be kind of one book in, in two volumes. Now, our modern-day Bibles separate the books, right? The book of John stands in between them. And, and that's for, and our, our Bibles are compiled, edited, and sorted in such a way in which all the Gospels come first in the New Testament. So that's why Luke and Acts are separated. But they were meant to go together. They were meant to be one continuous work, telling the story of, of Jesus as he walked here on earth. And then Acts tells us the story of Jesus as he works by his spirit through his people in the earliest days after his ascension into heaven. So that's a little bit about uh, the book of Acts. Again, the question we ought to be asking ourselves throughout is what is Jesus up to? What is Jesus up to? He's the main character. He's the one it's all about. It's a reminder that he's still working. It's, that's a reminder that the earliest Christians that he's writing to that, that would have read this first, uh, they needed to hear that right? because Jesus was with them. But then all of a sudden, one day he wasn't. And that would have been hard, right? Their heads had to be spinning. Okay, how do we, how do we live this faith out now, right? What is life going to look like now that, that Jesus is gone has, and has ascended into heaven? And, and, and Luke reminds them, Jesus is still working. And he's still here in some way, not like he was walking this earth, but he's still here. And, and he's coming again. But one day, or, or until that day comes when he returns, that, that he's still active. And, and so the first Christians needed to remember that, especially because they, they lived a hard life. There was lots of persecution in those early days. And so they needed the reminder that, that Jesus is still living, he's still active, he's still here. But isn't that a reminder that we need today too, right? And that's why Acts is such a wonderful book for us. It's a reminder that Jesus continues to work, that he's not absent. He's not on a retirement plan, right? Sitting up in that heavenly throne, kicking back, uh, collecting a paycheck or a, or a 401k, right? A, a pension plan. No, no, Jesus is still busy. And the, Luca, the, the, the book of Acts makes that so obvious. He's still busy. It's just that today he works by his spirit through the people. He said that a number of times, so I hope that, that gets across today. Jesus is working by his spirit through the people. That's the message of Acts. And we're going to see that even in our reading for today. Okay, there are a couple of themes to the book of Acts. I summarized it for you. We talked about the title and, and the author. But there are some themes to the book that I think are really important. And, and the first is what we've just said, that Jesus, it's all about Jesus. That's the first theme. It's all about Jesus. And it's about Jesus working through his spirit. So the, the spirit, the working of the spirit is a major theme throughout the book. We'll see that the spirit can accomplish amazing things. The spirit is very powerful. Uh, the third theme of the book is, is that Jesus is working through his spirit as the faithful redeemer of Israel. 
So, so one of the things the book tells us is, is that God hasn't given up on Israel. You know, his, his chosen people, God hasn't forgotten them. They may have rejected him. They may not believe in him. They may have condemned him, but Jesus hasn't given up on his people. The promises that he made to, to Moses and to Abraham, he, he is going to fulfill. He has fulfilled. So Jesus, it's all about him working through his spirit as, as faithful redeemer of Israel. The fourth theme is, is that he's also, though, a light to the Gentiles. That yes, he loves his people, that, that special family, but he also wants to bring in more people. That, that he wants the message to go out to more and more and more. He wants his family to grow. So Jesus is working by his spirit as, as faithful redeemer to, to Israel, but also a light to the Gentiles, to the world. And what he wants to do is bring those two people, the, those two groups, Jew and, and Gentile, together into one church. And so the unity of the church is going to be a big theme through the book of, of Acts, that, that we are united as one people, one people united around Jesus. And so we're going to see that is out. And that's a timely message too, right? We live in a very divisive world. And uh, I think we need the reminder that Acts gives us that we are meant to be one, uh, that we are gathered around Jesus and nothing ought to separate us. And we'll, we'll see that kind of lived out throughout the story too. But, but then that brings us to, to the next theme. And, and that is, and the final theme, is that, that this united church of Jew and Gentile, very different people speaking different languages from different parts of the world, as, as they're brought together, they're also sent out. Right? That this one church is meant to be a witness to the world, sharing the love of Jesus. That we have a calling and a purpose. And it's to let more and more people know about our Savior's love. So those are the themes. Jesus, working by his Spirit as faithful redeemer of Israel, as a light to the nations, uh, joining us together in unity as, as the body of Christ, as one, and then sending us out as witnesses to the world. It's a beautiful book, and uh, I think we're going to see that as we go through. Uh, how about this? How about we jump in uh, to our, our reading for today? What I'd like to do is just read through Acts chapter 1. So if you have a Bible in front of you, that would be awesome. Uh, if you want to pull it up on whatever device you're watching this on to, Acts chapter 1, you can go to BibleGateway.com, just type that in, and you will find it. Uh, I'll just read through it. I'll have some thoughts along the way and, and then some things to share too. Um, again, if you're watching now, leave your comments or your questions in, and I, I'll be checking on that and, and try to get back to you with that. All right, uh, Acts chapter 1. I'll, I'll start by reading verses 1 through 11. We'll pause there and then we'll continue on. Uh, so this is, uh, this is how the book starts. In my former book, again, that's the Gospel of Luke, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Sorry, I'm going to stop there again already. That word began is so important, right? Because it implies that Jesus is still working, right? That he hasn't stopped. That yes, Jesus was very busy while he walked here on earth, uh, doing miracles and, and healings and, and teaching crowds. And, and then he, of course, died and he rose. But that was just the beginning, Luke is saying. He's still working. He's still living. He's still active. The work has only just begun and his work continues to today. That word began is so important because it means that, that Jesus is working for us now too. So in the former book, Theophilus wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many con convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my the gift my father promised, 
which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. I think one of the beautiful things about that word right there is that Jesus is saying, yes, uh, that he's, he's going to leave. That's a hard reality. He's not going to be there with them like he, like he had been walking with them, talking with them. But, but he's also not leaving them empty-handed. Right? He's going to give them the gift of his Holy Spirit. That's a gift. What we'll see is, is an amazing gift. Uh, there's another lesson there, though, and, and that is the, the unity of the Trinity, that the Father and the Son and the Spirit are all working together as one. And each are there in this passage, right? But wait for the gift, the Holy Spirit, that my Father promised that he, Jesus, will give to you. The, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit are working in unity. And it's that unity that the Trinity has that we as people have as the church too. Verse 6 goes on, it says, Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? See, the, the, the disciples knew of God's promises. They had read Isaiah. They had read Daniel. They had read all of the Old Testament, right? And, and knew that God had promised a, a, a renewed kingdom, right? That he was going to restore the kingdom of, of Israel. It had been beaten down. It had been taken over. It had been sinful. It had rebelled and been brought into exile. But, but God had always promised a, a new kingdom and a new king. And, and so now here are the disciples, right? knowing that Jesus is about to leave and they're wondering, okay, well, before you go, are you going to bring this kingdom about? Right? When is this going to happen? If you're leaving, doesn't it have to happen soon? So, so, so they're concerned and consumed with when. Right? And it's actually, I don't think, a bad question. We shouldn't berate them or belittle them for it. They might be a little ignorant. <laughs> they might not understand things or see it clearly, but do any of us really see everything clearly? No, they, they, they know the promises and they're trusting in them. And they're just wondering, when is this all going to happen? But, but Jesus is not too concerned with the when. In fact, Jesus will say he himself doesn't know when, when he will come again. Only the Father knows that. And so he gets them off of that question, right? He doesn't want them consumed with when is, is everything going to change? When is he going to return, right? When will things be, be different? Instead, he says, stop worrying about that and just get to work, <laughs> right? Stop worrying about when I'm going to return and just know that I'm giving you my spirit and that there is work to do, that you have a job to witness. So this is what he goes on to say, right? They said, okay, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus promises some things there, right? Two things in particular that are, tied together, power and the Spirit. Uh, when you have the Spirit, you have power. I, I don't know if you think about that too often. I, I think it's something, as Christians, we need to, to think more of, right? Uh, as Christians, for good reason, we often take on a, a position and an attitude of humility, right? And, and that's something the Bible tells us to do. That's a good thing. But, but while we are called to be humbled, we're also called to be bold and confident because we have an otherworldly power inside of us, the power of the Spirit. It's not like the, the kind of power we're used to seeing, a power based on politics or a power based on, on, on persuading people to do what we want them to do or a, or a power that comes from money, right? No, this is the power of the Spirit, a power to love, a power to overcome evil, a power that comes from victory won by Jesus, 
a power that displays itself in sacrifice and in service. It's a very different kind of power, but it is power. You are powerful, dear Christian brother or sister, because Jesus has given you his spirit. So don't shrink back. Right? Don't be afraid, but be bold and confident because you have the powerful spirit living within you. And Jesus says, because I'm giving you this gift, I'm not saying, you out empty-handed. Then now you are for this amazing job. It's, it's a job that seems too big and until you remember what he's given you, that spirit. And, and here's the job, right? He says, you are going to be my witnesses. You're going to share with the world what you've seen. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, I don't know if those names or those places mean anything to you, but, but they would have to his disciples. You can almost kind of picture some concentric circles that spread out. It starts with Jerusalem, the holy city. Going out from there, you get Jerusalem or Judea. And then going out from there, you get Samaria. And then going out from there, you get the ends of the earth. Right? What is Jesus saying? This message is supposed to explode out where? Starting here, starting with God's people, but then he, he most certainly wants everyone else to hear. Now, what's interesting is that the, the rest of the book of Acts tells that story. And, and Luke kind of outlines the story around that spread. So the, the story of Acts begins with what's going on in Jerusalem. And then as the story goes on in, in the later chapters, chapters 2 through 5, we see what's going on in, in Judea. After that, in, 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 in the next chapters, we see it go to Samaria. And then by the end, throughout all Paul's missionary journeys, we see the, the gospel being witnessed to all over the world. And so Luke is showing us it happened. God accomplished what he set out to do as he worked through his people by the power of his spirit. The word did go out to Jerusalem, Judea, to Samaria, and to all the ends of the earth. After this, in verse 9, we're told, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. Uh, that, that cloud uh, ought to conjure up some images for us. It ought to conjure up an, an image of the, the, the cloud, the pillar of cloud that led the people of Israel in the desert with. It ought to make us think of the cloud that descended on Mount Sinai with the people of Israel and Moses. It ought to make us think of uh, the transfiguration of Jesus, the, the cloud that, that God spoke from, from the baptism of, of Jesus. For some reason, God keeps showing up in clouds. It's a sign that he's here though, right? And that this is from God, this cloud. That, that appears from him. This is nothing new. shouldn't be surprising that God shows up in this way. In verse 10, it goes on, it says, they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood behind, beside them. These are presumably angels. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So what are these angels saying, right? They're saying, stop looking up and get to work, right? Jesus is coming. They, they let them know that and that ought to give them boldness and confidence, right? It ought to get them through. I said just a minute ago that we often need to think more about the power we have by God's spirit. I, I think we also need to think a whole lot more about the return of Jesus. I think some of us, we don't think too much about Christ's return, but we should because it gives us confidence. It gives us hope, right? That, that Jesus is coming back. He hasn't forgotten about us. He hasn't just left us here, but he's coming back to bring justice, to bring peace. And that ought to give us comfort and hope and joy. Jesus is coming. But until then, <laughs> there's work to be done. There's people who need to hear the good news. There are lives that need to be touched. There's justice and peace and, and mercy and compassion that needs to be shared. 
So stop just staring up into heaven. Stop just being a passive observer and get to work. God wants to work through you. And we hear that that's very quickly what the disciples begin to do, right? In verse 12, this is what we hear. It says, Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. And when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. I think that's a really beautiful picture of what it means to be the church, right? As we, as we wait for Jesus to re angel said what happened, we, we get together with our brothers and sisters because we need them and, and because they need us. We might not think they do, but it's, it's true. Your, your Christian family needs you and you need them. And, and, and what did they do, right? They, they joined together constantly in prayer. They constantly were turning to God. And I think that's what it means to be a part of the church, right? With our eyes fixed on Jesus, trusting in his return, we, we gather together and we call upon him over and over and over again because, because we need him. Because we believe, like the message of Acts tells us, he is working. Uh, nestled in there, in, in, in that brief paragraph I just read, is, is some other really kind of neat things, I think. We're, we're told that Mary is there, the mother of Jesus, along with his brothers and, and, and presumably sisters too. That's important because it's the family of Jesus that at different points in the, the gospel that they don't seem to get who Jesus is. There, there's one time in particular where they come to Jesus, he's, he's been teaching a large crowd, and, and they try to get Jesus to stop, right? They're, they're confused about what's going on. And it's kind of understandable, right? Anyone here who's watching, if you have a sibling, right? If, if one day all of a sudden they were claiming to be God and gathering these huge crowds, you, you might be like, well, what do you think you're doing, brother? Uh, uh, because we tend to see our family in a different light than, than everyone else does. And, and so here's the, the family of Jesus who didn't understand him, who, who maybe were even embarrassed by him or, or thought he was doing the wrong thing, that, that now they're a part of a small group of disciples. And God has redeemed them. He's been faithful to them. He hasn't given up on them. He doesn't turn them away. Now here they are trusting in Jesus. They've come to faith by the grace of God. What a beautiful, what a beautiful thing. Verse 15, it goes on and says, In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120. And he said, oh, that number 120 is important because that was the number necessary to, to gather in a synagogue, uh, to have a, a gathering of Jewish people. That was the way, what their law demanded. And so I, I think what, what we're told is that this is a legitimate group. <laughs> this is a legitimate group of people. By no means is it a megachurch, uh, but this is legitimate. So they gathered together and Peter stood up among them and he says in verse 16, Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field and there he fell headlong. His body burst open and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in their language Akeldama, that is, field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. So thinking about Judas, I, I think, is, is interesting. 
Because while we, I think we can definitely say that what Judas did was wrong, it was sinful, right? He should not have done it. At the very same time, we're told that somehow this was known by God ahead of time and and even a part of the plan. And so there's a tension there, right? That that Judas sinned. He did something contrary to God's will. And and yet God used that for good. And and it was a part of the, the bigger plan. Uh, I, I think the same thing continues to happen today. We continue to sin. And yet, sometimes God works through that. That doesn't make the, the sin a good thing. It doesn't mean we praise it or, 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 or uh, promote it. But it does mean that God can, he knows it's going to happen. And, and he can work good even from the worst of things. So, so we could say, were those who took Jesus' life at fault? Yes. But you might say, well, how could they be at fault if this was part of God's plan if if Jesus had to go to the cross well there's a tension there that we can't resolve neatly like we would like to but both things are true and I think overall what we can take from that is the power of God right God working through bad things God working even through sinful things and working good out of them and he continues to do that today I think that ought to give us hope when we fail when we mess up when we outright sin that Jesus overcomes it and that we can't stop his plan of salvation from being unfolded and from reaching more and more people. All right, uh, let's go on. So, so Judas, of course, is no longer part of the 12. Uh, he's gone. And so this is what happens. It says, Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they have to fill Judas's spot, and they set and, and they set out one requirement for who can be a, a part of that group. And the one requirement is another eyewitness, right? They, they want someone who's who's seen Jesus and walked with him from his baptism all the way to his resurrection. And I was thinking about why why that was, right? That's like their one their one standard. You have to have seen Jesus, and, and I think it was for us, so so that our faith could rest confidently on eyewitness testimony, right? So that we would know this isn't some made-up fairy table or some fable, right? Some superhero comic book, but this is real. This is history. That Jesus actually lived and he actually did all these miracles and he actually died and he actually rose. That, that we are, are believers today because of eyewitness testimony who passed along the message so that we might be certain and sure of, of the truth of these claims. Because as Christians, we claim some wild things, right? We believe some strange things that a man named Jesus is actually God and he healed people and he restored sight and he died and he forgives our sins and then he rose again. This is wild stuff. And, and God wanted us to be sure that we could believe it, that not just throw it out or dismiss it because people actually saw it. There are many people beyond the 12 who actually saw it. We're told elsewhere that Jesus appeared up to 500 people at once. So go ask them. They were there. Well, we can't ask them, but thankfully they wrote down what they saw. This is for our confidence. And so we thank God for those who have gone before us that passed along the message because we are where we are today. Okay, so they, they set that, uh, that one requirement. We need another witness. Verse 23 says, So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry 
which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, so he was added to the eleven disciples. It's interesting how they choose, right? They cast lots, which is kind of like throwing dice and seeing a number comes up. And, and you might say, well, that doesn't be pious or, or godly, right? Leaving it to chance. But I don't think they left it to chance at all, right? They, they found two men who they knew were worthy, who fulfilled the requirements. Both men would, would do a great job, and then they leave it to God, right? They, they pray about it. That's important that they don't just leave it to chance, to the winds, right? But they say, Lord, we're putting this in your hands. And, and we know that we have two good guys here. And so we leave it to you. I think it was an act of faith to do it that way. And I think it was also an act of wisdom. Because can you imagine if, if they just took a vote and it was like five to, to six? You'd have five unhappy guys. They might always be a little bitter. And, and what if the ministry didn't go according to their plans? Two years from now, they, they might be thinking, oh, well, should, should we kick Matthias out? We made a wrong choice. And, and they might look at the other six and condemn and... and and this solves all of that, right? By putting in God's hands. Uh, that gives them, again, confidence and boldness. Saying, Lord, you chose and you will pick the right person. And so there's, there's an act of faith there. All right. I think that's all that I have for you. Thank you for, uh, for being a part of this today. Uh, so glad that you're able to, to join us. We'll be back next week. My goal is to be live with you at 11.30 a.m. each of these Wednesdays. So uh, be sure to, to come back for that. And uh, again, uh, encourage you to subscribe uh, our YouTube channel, our Twitch, wherever you like our Facebook page. That way you uh, get the little notification that we're doing this again. Uh, if you take one thing out of this, again, I hope it's is that you see that Jesus is still working. His work has just begun. And while he may not be working in the ways or in the timing that we want, he might not be working physically, bodily, right by our side like he was with the, the disciples as they walked around Galilee. He is still working. He's just doing it by his spirit through his people. And, and so there is both a, a comfort and a calling in that. Right For the days when we're worn out and, and tired, when we've been trying to do everything and solve the problems and carry all the burdens, right? It's a reminder, no, no, no. Uh, this is Jesus who accomplishes his work. We're with or without you. This is his work. These, this is a story uh, of his acts. And, and so we rest on him. But then on those days when we're content to just sit on the couch and say, ah, God's got it. I don't need to do anything. If it's his work, then I can just sit here and, and do it, whatever I want, uh, to eat ice cream and cookies. Right? It's a, then, then that's where the calling comes in. And to say, yeah, it, it is God's work, but he wants to do it through you. And he's called you to get up off the couch. And so again, there's a tension there. And, and uh, it, it probably depends on the day or the hour which, which side we need to hear, right? There are days when we need to be challenged and put out the door. God wants to work through you, so get to work. But then there are other days when we need that reminder that, yeah, it's not my work. It's not my strength that will get it done. It's not my ability or my smarts or my wisdom that will, will bring about the results. It's, it's the work of Jesus. And so I, I don't know which message you hear. So I'm just going to leave both today. The message of comfort and then the calling. But that's the message of Acts. Jesus is still working by his spirit through his people. If, you have any, uh, if you're not watching this live and you do have any comments or questions, just leave them below the video. I will be sure to get back to them and answer them as, as best I can. Uh, but thank you for joining us today for this first lesson on the book of Acts. And hope to see you next time. God bless you all.